Good morning. We're glad that you're here. We're thankful for such a beautiful day, the opportunity to come together to worship God. We're always thankful to have visitors, and if you are visiting, we want you to know that we would love to have you come back and be with us. We're always thankful for those who visit our worship services. We're grateful that you have chosen to come and honor us with your presence. It might be that you're looking for a church home, and we would invite you to consider the work here. We would love to have you come and be a part of our family, help us, tell others about Christ and what he can do for them in their lives. We're going to be looking at the passage that Ben read a moment ago in Psalm 90 at verse 14. The psalmist there said in the long ago, Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. I want to ask you a question this morning. How satisfied are you in life? If I were to ask you on a scale of one to 10, how satisfied are you at home? What about on your job? Or maybe your spiritual life? How satisfied are you? It's my conviction that God wants us to be satisfied in life. And I really believe the key to satisfaction is a life lived for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to think for a minute or two today about the theme, Jesus can satisfy us in life. And I really believe that he can satisfy us. And there are some ways that I believe that he can bring a sense of satisfaction or peace and harmony to our lives. I begin by saying that Jesus can satisfy those of us who live in the human family internally. There is a a sense of internal satisfaction that comes to us through living for Jesus Christ. Somebody might ask the question, well, how is that possible? I think it begins with the new birth. Jesus talked about the new birth in John chapter 3. The Bible tells us that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And he said, Teacher, we know that you are someone sent from God. For no one can do the signs of the miracles which you're doing unless God is with him. Jesus then said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, of course, thought, Jesus was talking about a physical birth. And so he asked the question, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You see, when you obey the gospel, become a child of God, there are some things that happen that bring about a sense of relief. First of all, there is forgiveness. Did you know that God will remit your sins? In other words, he will forgive every sin. When I think about the fact that Jesus can bring satisfaction to my life, to know that I don't have to bear the burden and the guilt of sin any longer. The Bible tells us that sin is an age-old problem. That sin has impacted the human family. As a matter of fact, Paul would say there's none righteous. No, not one. 
In Romans 3.23, he would say, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And to know that when I am baptized into Jesus Christ, when I comply with the new birth, that every sin is washed away. When Peter stood before that multitude of people in the city of Jerusalem on Pentecost Day, those individuals had been convicted of putting, of putting Jesus to death. And they asked the question, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. To know that my sins can be forgiven when I do what they did. When I do what they did, then I become what they were, which is simply a Christian. Not only will God forgive your sins, but the Bible says he will forget your sins. In other words, he will remember them no more. God will not bring up your past life. Once you've been forgiven, what's in the past is in the past. How different that is from people today. People that we might say or do something maybe offensively and to know that maybe we have, maybe we have somehow reconciled our differences. And yet down the road, they continue to bring up the past and say, well, you remember when you did this or you said, you said that. Well, God doesn't do that. The Bible says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities, I will remember, listen to him, no more. God is not going to bring up the past. When God says he forgives, he forgives. And not only does he forgive, but he forgets. From the vantage point, he's not going to dredge it up every time something comes up in your life. So, the new birth. Now, sometimes we have difficulty forgiving ourselves. And yet, one of the ways that we can learn to forgive ourselves is to understand that God has forgiven us. And if God has forgiven and God has said, I will not remember that anymore, then my question is, why should we? We ought to put it in the past and move forward. There's a second thing that I want you to see in this point. Not only is there a new birth, there is a new beginning. Can you imagine having a fresh start in life? There are a lot of folks that if you, if you could somehow turn the clock back and give them the opportunity to start anew, let me tell you what, they would jump on that opportunity. There are a lot of us that would probably like to somehow rewind the clock and go back and do things differently. Well, unfortunately, we can't necessarily do that. But there is, there is the possibility of getting a fresh start in Christ Jesus. I don't care what your past, I don't care what you've done, I don't care where you've been. God can take you he can use you in his service and he can give you a fresh start. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, 
Paul said, if any man, that, that's us, that's anyone, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We talk about the new birth. The new birth affords us a new beginning. Just like when a baby is born into this world. A new life, a fresh start, so to speak. That's what becoming a child of God's all about. You get a clean start. There is a break with the past. It's all behind you. Now, sometimes we have to suffer the consequences of maybe activities from the past. But there is, there is the joy of knowing that we have a new beginning. Let me, share, let me share something with you along these lines. When you become a child of God, number one, you enjoy peace with God. No longer are you estranged from God. No longer are, are you alienated from the God who created you. But there is a sense of peace between you and your maker. In Romans chapter 5, Paul said, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's the kind of peace that we need. Not only do we enjoy peace with God, but we have the peace of God. You remember what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7? How we enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. Let me tell you how you can have peace with, with God. Obey the gospel. Let me tell you how you can enjoy the peace that passes all understanding. When you become a child of God, you need to understand that the peace of God is guarding your heart. All of the past is behind you. No more guilt, no more shame from the past. But to know that you have that inward peace, that sense of joy and happiness that the world can't give you. That's what you can enjoy in Christ Jesus. Now there's a second thing I want to call attention to in our study. We talk about how Jesus can satisfy, satisfy us internally. I believe he can also satisfy us externally. Somebody says, well, how can Jesus satisfy me externally? Well, I think he brings, I think he brings about a new direction, a sense of focus in life. Let me tell you how that how that happens. First of all, there, there is a change of behavior that obviously comes about as a child of God. You remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 6 when he said, we rise to walk in newness of life. Everything's new. Everything's fresh. That old past has been buried. That new life has emerged. And so now we're beginning a life that is demonstrated by our behavior, our outlook. There's a new focus. There's new direction. So what do I mean? First, there is a change in our affections. When you live in sin, there are a lot of things that bring you happiness. And what you come to understand is a lot of times that happiness is short-lived. You know, the Bible talks about in Hebrews chapter 11, 
the pleasures of sin. But he adds to the pleasures of sin that they are but for a season. They don't last forever. And so there is a change of affection. Those things that at one time may have charmed us and brought us happiness or what we thought was happiness doesn't work any longer. So Paul would say, if you have then been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting on the right hand of God. Set your mind, set your affections on things above and not on things which are upon this earth. There, there is a change of direction, a change of focus. Our affections are now upward. We talk about altitude and attitude. As a child of God, I'm looking upward. And I'm realizing that spiritual things are what's important. That my affections are no longer merely here upon this earth, but what I'm living for is Almighty God and the things of God. There's also a change of appetite. And by that I mean there is a hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter 5. Did you know that as we change for the better, as we begin looking to Christ and living for the Lord, that we find that maybe those things that once appealed to us and brought a sense of contentment or happiness or fulfillment, they're just not there for us anymore. What we crave is to draw closer to God to become more like Christ. Our ultimate goal is to be with him in eternity. And so we begin feeding on his word. Jesus said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We begin thirsting for God, drawing closer to him in worship, in service to him. And then there is a change in attitude. My attitude's changed. I don't see things like I used to. The Bible talks about how those of us who belong to the family of God, how we have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me, as Paul would say in Galatians 2.20. And he said, speaking of the Lord who loved me and gave himself for me, I have a whole new outlook. I have a whole new attitude about life. The things that occur around me, and there are a lot of things that go on in life. There are highs and lows. There are joys and frustrations. There are good times and bad times. And yet there's a sense of calmness and serenity in my life. Number one, because I enjoy peace with God. And number two, because I enjoy the peace of God. And here's what that does for me. It gives me contentment, a sense of serenity to know that all is well. That's the attitude I take every day. Paul would say in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, I have learned in whatever state I'm in therein to be content. To be content. I asked you just a moment ago, are you satisfied with your life? If you're not content in life, that means you're not satisfied. 
in life. And you know how you become content in life? You learn contentment. And you know who you learn contentment through? The Lord. The externals of life. We talk about how Jesus can satisfy us externally. Well, we look at things differently. But we understand that those outward circumstances of life are not dictating how we feel on the inside. Everything's changed. And then there's a change in our activities. We don't do some of the things we used to do in the past. We change. We focus on the spiritual dimension of life. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. I want to just make an observation. A life spent in service to God is not a life lived in vain. I have heard about people, and I suspect that we probably all have known people, that have lived the life of a rebel. I mean, they have lived a life of rebellion. And sometimes they have reaped some horrible consequences. And as they came to the close of life here on earth, they look back over their lifetime and there are a lot of regrets. Sometimes they regret that they weren't the father, that they should have been in the home. Or they regret that they weren't the kind of mother that provided godly influence and guidance. Sometimes people regret that all of their time and energy was spent at work and trying to make money. They forgot about living and forgot about those things that were important. Sometimes we get so consumed with life we forget about what's important. And so when people get to the end of the road, they look back and they reflect and they think, you know what, I wish I'd done things differently. When you talk to people that are in Christ and that have lived a life of service for Almighty God, you don't hear them looking back and saying, you know what, I regret that. I regret putting God first in my life. I, for, I, I regret putting the kingdom first and living for him on a daily basis. That's why Paul said, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. And then finally, there is a change in associations. There are some people that have, in days gone by, they have run with some rough crowds. And they have been a part of a bad crowd. They have been influenced in an unhealthy way. When you become a child of God, let me tell you who becomes your family. The church does. I think one of the greatest things that we have to offer the world is that they can become a part of the greatest family known to man. That's, that is the body of Christ. To be a part of a church family that loves one another that shares the joys and frustrations of life, 
that is there for one another, come what may. Look at the early church in Acts 2.42. The Bible says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. There is a tie that brings us together. And so Jesus can satisfy us externally. Why? Because we're people of like precious faith. And there is a cord that binds us together. And it, it literally ties us. There's a third thing I want you to see in our study. And that is Jesus can satisfy you eternally. Can he, can he satisfy you internally? Yes, he can. Can he satisfy you externally? Again, the, the answer is yes. But thirdly, Jesus can satisfy you eternally. What about our present life here on earth? If I were to say, how, do, how would you sum up life? What would you say? I guess many of us would say, well, life is replete with good times and bad times. And that'd probably be a pretty good description of life. But by and large, life is filled with what? Trials, temptations, and tears. Things that are common to all of us. When you live on this earth, you face a number of trials on a daily basis. James said, count it all joy when you fall into manifold trials. Trials, those outward trials that are common to all people. Sickness, disease, heartache and suffering. The loss of loved ones. Those things that hit home on a daily basis. Temptation. To know that the devil is always after me. As Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may, deliver, whom he may dis destroy. To know that the devil's doing everything within his power to circumvent my faith. And then the tears of life. When's the last time you cried? When's the last time you shed a tear? I bet some of you shed tears this past week for any number of reasons. The Bible says in John eleven thirty five 35 that Jesus wept. You live long enough, you'll, you'll shed some tears in this life because life can deliver some terrible hurts. So that's what we deal with in present life. What about post-life? What about when this life is over? There are some guarantees that I want to share with you about what we can look forward to after this life is over. We talk about Jesus being able to satisfy us eternally. Let me tell you how he can do that. Number one, because we can enjoy the permanence of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul talks about the second coming of Jesus. He said he will descend from, from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. In verse 18, Paul talks about how we're going to be together with the Lord. And he said that we will be together, that we will be with one another forevermore. Won't you just think about that for a minute? We're going to be with one another. We're going to be in heaven forevermore. 
to be in the city of Almighty God. John said in Revelation chapter 21, in talking about that holy city, the New Jerusalem, he said, right for these words are true and faithful. To know the permanence of Almighty God. This world and the things of this world are changing daily. The home that you live in. If you were to live in it another 50 years, think of the changes that would come about. Let me tell you what, 50 years from now, if the Lord delays his coming, this city will not look the same. But in, in heaven, there will be a sense of permanence. It will be a place that is incorruptible, undefiled, and it fades not away. So there will be the permanence of God and the presence of God. Did you know that you will be in the presence of Almighty God forevermore? To know that we can be with God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit forevermore? As Paul said, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So we'll enjoy the permanence of God, the presence of God, and then thirdly, the people of God. Let me ask you this morning, are there people that you have known and loved that are not here any longer? I'm talking about people that you ate with, that you shared good times with. Are there people that, that you miss here on earth? But they're gone now. They're in eternity. But they were a child of God. Let me tell you what. You'll be with them again forevermore. One of the sweet things about heaven is knowing that that separation that takes place because of death it'll be behind us the Bible says in Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death to know that the sting of death is done it's over that's a great blessing so can Jesus satisfy us? Yes. He can satisfy you. I asked you a minute ago, how satisfied are you with your life? If your spiritual life is not what it ought to be, then here's, here's the bottom line. The other facets of your life are going to be out of kilter. There's going to be an imbalance to your life. But if you will become one with the Lord, he will bring about a sense of peace. There will be a balancing effect that will take place in your life. So here's the question. If you're dissatisfied, what are you going to do about it? If you're dissatisfied with your life as it stands right now, what are you going to do about it? I understand there are some things beyond our control. Maybe I, have, maybe I have a job that I don't like. And maybe I have to stay in that grind for a little while longer. Maybe I can't change that. Maybe I can't change the fact 
that physically I'm not what I used to be. But I can change my spiritual life. I can make that change today. I can walk out of here and I can be a child of God. I can be in harmony with the will of God. And I can know that if something happens to my life, I am heaven bound. So you have to make that call. If you're dissatisfied, what are you going to do about it? I would hope and pray that you'll do the smart thing that you will decide today that you want to become a child of the living God. Here's what you need to do. Believe Jesus to be the Son of God. Repent of your sins, confess His name before others, and be buried with Him in a watery grave of baptism. Do just what they did on Pentecost Day, Acts 2, verse 38. When Peter said, Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. When you do that, God will add you to His family. And if you'll be faithful until death, the promise is eternal life. Maybe you're here today and your life's not what it ought to be. Maybe your life has been marred by sin because you've gone back into the world. If you're back in the world, I can't believe you're happy. I can't believe you're really satisfied. As a matter of fact, I know you can't be satisfied because you know you're not what you ought to be and you know where you're not where you ought to be. So my, encourage, my encouragement to you today would be to come to Christ. The Bible says confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another. Could we pray with you and for you? And God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.